Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a brand new week on Bombing with Eric Andre, the podcast where I talk with friends, comedians, musicians, and other lunatics about their worst moments on stage and getting wrecked by a live audience. We got a wonderful guest, this guy I've known for years. He's one of the funniest guys. You've seen him all over television, movies, cartoons, super funny stand-up, polar opposite in energy for me, and that's why I love him even more. My buddy, Ron Funches. He's got a long career in stand-up. He's got great stories. His daily routine includes jujitsu and weed. He's got stories from being high as fucking hell on an airplane with a bunch of women that look like they were the cast of the Golden Girls, and him being booed off the stage and running into a van and looking for jobs on Craigslist. He bombed so hard. You know the deal. We publish new episodes every week. Rate us five stars and check out Big Money Players Diamond on Apple Podcasts to get exclusive weekly bonus content plus ad-free episodes. Let's do it, Ron Funches. Bombing. Bombing with Eric Andre. Right, did they tell you anything about this podcast? It's called Bombing. I heard a bit. I've heard the name, and then that made me feel like I understood it, but that was about it. <laughs> have you ever bombed while doing stand-up comedy? How long have you been doing stand-up comedy? Uh, 16 years. 16 years. It's mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah, a fair amount. And you started in Oregon. Yeah. Portland. You started at the Portland Comedy Festival. I started at uh, Harvey's Comedy Club in Portland, Oregon. The first time I saw you on stage was at the Portland Comedy Festival. I remember that. That yeah. was cool. Yeah, it was good. You crushed. <laughs> Thank you. And you were like, you wouldn't even open your eyes on stage. Yeah, well. You would like sleep on stage. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I was captivated by that. Yeah. I have a vivid memory. And you kind of be like side turned. Yeah. You had a distinctive point of view. Yeah. Distinctive point of view and, and low, very low energy. Very low energy. Yeah. I loved that. I was like shocked by that. Thank you. Because I had very high energy. Yeah. Still do. Yeah. Because I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. It's a nervous energy. But I'm not here mm-hmm. to talk about me. No, not even a little bit? Well, yeah, a little bit. Okay. I'm very insecure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tremendously insecure. <laughs> okay, what's the worst you've ever bombed on stage? 
Mm, the worst I've ever bought, like, I say, like for like long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one that's always sticks out in my head was uh, I did a show in Tacoma, Washington at this place that was a converted, it used to be a bank and they converted it into a nightclub. <laughs> and uh, I just did, t- from the moment I got on stage, they didn't have any interest in anything I was saying. <laughs> why, was it, why was it so doomed? Uh, were you the open headliner? Were you the opener? I was the were, opener. Who was who was the uh, headliner? Headliner. Was, it was uh, this was like in the beginning of me doing comedy, so I was working with a lot of bar comics and road comics, and there's this guy named Joe Fontenot, who's now dead. R.I.P. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> Joe Fontenot. Yeah, yeah, just a. He was tough. Classic, real like. To learn about comedy, great headliner to start with, like being like, don't be like any of this. Don't be <laughs> like, like this guy at all. He would crush, though, because he had very chaotic energy and his jokes were very run-of-the-mill. So you're at this bank. Yeah, I'm at this conversion Joey bank. Fontaine's headlining. He's headlining. I'm opening. This is how many, a decade ago, what? Yeah, about 14 years so, ago. So you're like, yeah, you're up and coming. You're about figuring it out. In, yeah. And they ask you to do the show. You mm-hmm. go to, what was Spokane, Washington? Where is it? Mm, Tacoma. Tacoma, Washington. Yeah. Maybe Tuckwilla. Tuckawilla. So you're, so you're in the middle of nowhere. You're in the, the mountain, forest mountains. Mm-hmm. And you're at this bank. Mm-hmm. That is now a nightclub. Mm-hmm. And the crowd just what? They weren't having it? Just a dull murmur. It's like March 1st, I remember. And uh, you remember the date? Oh, I do remember the date wow. because it comes what into year? play. What year? I don't remember the year. Okay, it's but March I do 1st. remember the day. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then all of a sudden, just two guys just walk in, and they're just being very loud, like just like they obviously super regulars, and they're just like, "Hey, what up, Sam? Oh man, what's going on tonight? Oh, oh, y'all got a comedy show tonight? Yeah. Oh, y'all got my man over here doing comedy? Oh, y'all got a brother doing comedy in here tonight? Oh, y'all do you do your thing, man? I'm just going. And it just keeps going and going. They keep going, and then that's why I remember it was March first because I just go like. Oh man, it's only one day after Black History Month and I'm hating niggas again. <laughs> and I thought that for some reason that would kill. It did not work at all. Oh, was the uh, audience majority white? Yeah, I guess looking back at it. Yeah, I didn't take it. You had a majority black audience. They might have, yeah, they were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Walla Walla Washington, they're yeah. not going to fucking vibe with that joke. And they turned on me hard and oh, I had to no. go. <laughs> They were booing me. Really? Yeah. You got booed. Oh yeah. Did you get booed off? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> got the lit early, and then I just uh, I didn't even stay in the venue. I went and just sat in the van that we rode in until the show was over. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Were you just like you were miserable? Oh, truly. You were miserable. Yeah. Did you weep? No, I didn't cry, but I thought about quitting. I called my first wife and be like, "Why do I do this? I don't did, like." Did this. you call your first wife at the time? My first wife. Yeah. Were you like, I knew. this is my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anyone could see. <laughs> so I said, first wife. Oh. <laughs> first wife. You're like first, Borat. Yeah. First wife. Yeah, he was very popular at the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it really made sense. Oh, uh, and it's called and complained and was like, I don't want to do comedy. And yeah. My normal thing, if I when I bombed real hard, is when I would go look 
at like job postings. Yeah, that's why I knew I bombed super hard. What, I was like, what, mm, what, let me go. What look. kind of jobs? Uh, anything. I didn't have skills. Like so car dealership. Kind whatever. Of? Yeah, whatever did not require a lot of education or <laughs> skills. Did you go to school? I went to community college for three weeks. How was that? How was that? I didn't like it. People. It was like high school, but they were smoking cigarettes. So <laughs> the air quality was worse. What was your major gonna be? N- nothing. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> How are you in high school? Uh, good, solid. I was. A, you I got mean, good, good yeah, grades. Yeah, I was naturally good at school, but I wasn't. I had no interest in anything. Yeah, I had no desire to work in anything. Where'd you grow up, Eugene? No, um, I grew up mostly in Chicago, and then moved to Salem, Oregon, when I was thirteen. Why'd you move to Salem, Oregon at thirteen? It's where my dad was living, and he was getting construction. And there was a big construction boom in Oregon. Oh, really? So you're in Chicago. So you're mm-hmm. really a Chicago guy. Mm-hmm. You grew up I mean, in Chicago. As a kid, yeah. I'm a Chicago. I was a Chicago kid. You grew up in Chicago. Yes. And then you were to Salem. Yeah. That's a shock for a kid. Oh, it's a, yeah. It's a big cultural shift. That's a that's tough. Mm-hmm. That had to be tough for you. Yeah, it really was. That had to throw you. It truly did. Sometimes. Did you feel kind of out of place? Yeah, of course. Do yeah. you always feel out of place? Yeah. But you felt especially out of place in Salem. Yeah, but I think what's going on in Salem? Nothing. There ain't nothing going on. Not a damn thing is going on in Salem. I've never even I've never even heard of Salem. It's not much to hear about. It's on the ocean. No, (laughs) it's just in the middle. It's an hour south of Portland. Portland's on the ocean, isn't it? No. Oh. Don't let the port thing confuse you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on a river or something, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is water. It's a ru- river yeah, or ocean. What's the difference? And stuff. Yeah. So there's a river out there. Yeah, sure, there's a river. <laughs> there's lots of rivers. And that's where you started smoking weed. Yeah, in Oregon for sure. You started blazing. Oh yeah. Is that when you started smoking weed with white people? Um, the first people I smoked weed with were Mexican. Really? Yeah. And did you mention that while you were smoking weed with I them? I said, this is delightful. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> One <Mexican. laughs> day, I'm going to surprise the host <laughs> who assumed I was smoking weed <laughs> What's going on in Salem? I'm trying to paint a picture of 13-year-old Salem mm-hmm. Ron Funches. Well, I didn't smoke weed until I was 16. 16 years old. Uh, school was boring. I wasn't really enjoying anything. My, my friends were smoking weed, and I was like, "I'm not going to smoke weed because I want to be a good person." And then I was later, I was like, "I'm bored. I'm super bored. I'll go smoke weed." Yeah. And so I went to a trailer park that my friends lived in. Uh, my friend Lolo. Um, we smoked weed out of a wizard bong. That's cool. Very classic. True classic uh, way yeah, to get classic. into it. And then I just was like, red vines taste better than ever before. Yeah, and then you were in love with it. Oh, yeah, and then from then on. You had a new passion. Yeah, a new passion. Take breaks every now and then, but other than that, it's my main thing. Do you smoke in the morning? Mm, if I have the day off. What's your typical smoke schedule? Typical smoke schedule, if I'm working, if I'm shooting a show... Then I don't smoke in the morning and I just wait till I get back home and smoke about like in the evening before dinner. Um, if I have the day off or I'm coming here to do a podcast, um, then I tend to get up, work out, and then I'll smoke a bowl, play some video games, handle some work. And then uh, usually like I don't smoke. I smoke like every day, but like a small amount. You told me that you smoked weed and went to the gym. Mm hmm. But it sounds like in this new schedule, you go to the gym, then you 
you switched it up. Sometimes so it now depends I'm, on I'm the thing. I'm kind of thrown. If it's like what day, you just told me. yeah, I switch it up because I don't want to be too high on cardio stuff. But I started doing jujitsu, and I like to smoke weed before I go do do jujitsu. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's I want to do jujitsu. You should. Do I'm intimidated by it. Though. Don't be. Yeah, it seems scary to me. It's they got jujitsu at my gym. It's more spiritual and fun. Have you ever been like way too high, like? This is, I'm too high. For jujitsu? No, just for in general. Oh, yeah. Have you ever taken like an edible that was way too big or mm-hmm. something? What was like the most like, oh, regrettable, like I'm way too stoned? One time I was on a flight coming back from a show and I took a, I ate this sucker that I didn't think was very, I think it was coming back from New York. Yeah. And I ate this sucker that I didn't think was very powerful at all. And um, well, how many milligrams? Do you I don't know. I'm gonna guess from now. It feels like it felt like somewhere between 75 and 100. And <laughs> oh my god! I get on the plane, and it's the first time I'd ever seen this on a plane, where my seat is in the very back of the plane in kind of a bench pattern. So there's like uh. two ladies sitting on the left of me, and then two ladies that sit on the right on me, and they all know each other. Oh my And I'm god. right in the middle. And you're High and I'm as high as shit, and it really starts kicking in. I just uh, start sweating. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> and I hear them chatting and chatting, and then suddenly I hear them all just like look over oh, and, you and look stop. Sick. Yeah, and they just stop talking to each other. Oh no! Yeah, it was a horrible time. So there is too much for you. Weed. Oh, for sure. Because what and what? What's the tipping point? Because all weed, that experience is any amount of weed for me. Really? I have like the tiniest puff of a joint and I'm like sweating between four ladies talking about me Mm. in my mind. Well, you made it sound good. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded a little sexy. (laughs) (laughs) No, weed, I'm like a mess on weed. I can't Mm -hmm. tell if people are mad at me. I can't tell if the situation's awkward. Mm -hmm. I, I... I spiral. So you feel, I always feel like we more of, like you talk about alcohol being a blocker and I feel like marijuana in a lot of cases is an enhancer and sometimes if you have like this anxiety or if you have these insecurities that it will actually shine a light on mm-hmm, them and mm-hmm. you think that is what happens to you. Yeah, and it also has a depressive quality to it, to, mm-hmm. to it for me where I, I, I kind of like ruminate on the bad thoughts mm-hmm. that I can like keep at bay while I'm sober or mm-hmm. drown out while I'm drunk. Do you still meditate a lot? Yeah, I meditate twice a day. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Um, it's really fun because I always thought that it was because you were so peaceful and then I realized it's because you need to you you like I need to meditate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll unravel. <laughs> I'll quickly unravel. There's so much I do in my day to just keep like alive. Mm-hmm. I like journal <laughs> therapy three times a week, exercise almost every day. Like half of my day mm-hmm. is to just like keeping my brain in one piece i think that's beautiful though i think that's like the fight of all of life right? it's the fight of life yeah it really is the fight of life yeah and the fact that you get up and you fight hard every day is commendable it's exhausting though i want to just I wake know. up and not have anxiety yeah i want to wake up and not think the fucking that i need to eat. like that three cheeseburgers sounds good you know <laughs> three cheeseburgers is good it it's is good, good for your taste buds yeah not the rest of your body. No, <laughs> but I it's good. Go back and forth. I get real <laughs> focused and healthy, and then I'm like, "Fuck, I should be eating twelve cookies." Yeah, I mean, every once in a while, I can eat twelve cookies. Yeah, but then or you can it, eat like a, a couple cookies. They become um, spirals for me real quick. It's yeah. like a, I go on a spree. Well, that's it, the tough thing about weed for me because yeah. I'm trying to behave on my 
eating mm-hmm. weed forget it then i want to eat a whole thing of ben and jerry's mm-hmm. i get the munchies yeah i don't find that i maybe i do and i just don't admit to it i don't know but i don't feel i never i'm like oh i'm stoned i want to eat what happened to the 12 cookie cheeseburger conversation we're just having well i feel like that's just me regular oh, that's oh. me if i'm at work uh-huh. and i'm sober oh really yeah. oh okay oh, okay okay it's not a stone re- uh, issue. it's not connected no it's just i uh. want want the food I want especially sugar. Oh, once I get going on sugar. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, Hawaiian punch is so good. I don't like Hawaiian. Punch. I like Coca Cola. Yeah, I like Coca Cola too. And ice cream. Yeah, now you're talking, boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you're talking about shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I'll never quit. I tried to quit sugar. Mm-hmm. I went to a hypnotist to try to quit sugar. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Mm. Life's but I just can't. I can't stop living life. Yeah. <laughs> Can stop enjoying life. Because life is hard. Mm-hmm. Life is harsh. Life is brutal. So to not have like a cookie at some point. Yeah. It's like, come on. I'm, I, 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 and then you meet the people that they work out like crazy and they like, they count their calories every single time. And they're like, they like, they're like, I don't do any sugar and I just eat celery and like I'm on paleo and all this shit. And they're like nuts, mm-hmm. and they're like ripped. But you're like, I don't know. I need to like, yeah. There's a balance. I want, I want some etouffee and a little. I think I just want to make sure everything is quality, and I'm treating myself well. I just don't want to be eating like shitty cookies. Yeah, really good so cookies. Good, Olive Oreos dipped in milk. <laughs> Double stuffed. I never heard of this. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's my jam. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts 
tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, what's the most wasted you've been on stage? Speaking of a hundred milligram edible sucker. I mean, I've done a bunch of high shows all the time. Yeah, but what's like trashola? You have you ever been like hammered? Like you were on MDMA on stage, or no, like well, sometimes you were huffing gas. And then, you popped and, off the gas cap of your car, and started huffing, and your blood was boiling, <laughs> and you just went on stage and you were like, "I am but a man before you." <laughs> Have you ever had that experience? I'm trying to remember if I did do that. I huffed ether on stage one time. Is that a what's ether? The, the ether fuels. Uh, they use it in photo labs, and the, and it fuels um, small uh, pr- propeller planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why did you do that? I, I don't remember. Oh, it was a high show, and I go, I don't really smoke weed, mm-hmm. but I, I and they were like, oh well, everybody's high on the thing, and I was like, and I wasn't drinking that much then. I was like. I have ether at my house. I could get a rag and huff ether. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay. And then like, Yeah, that would have been my reaction too. <laughs> Actually, I would have been like, you don't have to. <laughs> you know what? We'll make an exception. <laughs> I huffed ether on stage. And it's really dangerous. It's incredibly flammable. It's so flammable you can't keep it in your house. And you don't want to be really huffing indoors that much. Because if somebody lights a lighter, you can... I don't think you want to be huffing outdoors. It's not, it, it's really bad. I, I remember huffing ether. We, my friend had an Easter party and I was like, I'll be the ether bunny. And I mm-hmm. came and I huffed ether. And uh, the girl I was dating, it makes your breath reek, mm-hmm. reek, reek, reek. It smells, it smells like nail polish remover. And I was really ripping it. And uh, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I got really high. <laughs> it can't be good for you. No, it's pretty gnarly. No, it's I've truly only done can't. it a couple of times. Well, and one of the good. times was on stage. I really can't even get to a point where I'd been like, oh, I see myself trying. I can't. No, I don't see that happening for me. I can't do mushrooms on stage. That's that's to I, me too far for I me. I did that once. I get way too. I'm like everything seems like it's gonna be great and none of it hits. <laughs> what about cocaine? I've never done cocaine. I could see you being a big Coke guy. You think I should get into yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I just turned 40 and now the That's time. That's the time to yeah. test your organs. Yeah. Put your organs to the New baby? Test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> test it really, metal. you get a chance to add a new a new hobby. So you've never been like obliterated on stage? No, just too high on mushrooms, really. How was that show? Uh, Bad. Not good. <laughs> what happened? Not a good time. Oh, I can it? tell you the highest that I've been on stage. Um... I had not smoked weed in a couple of weeks because I went to um, Tokyo and Kyoto and Osaka for New Year's Eve trip. And I went to t- uh, Tokyo for a New Year's Eve trip. It's once. a great time. Yeah, it was cool. Oh, blast! I'm gonna try to do it again this New Year's yeah. Eve. Um, and then in Osaka, they have a English-speaking comedy club. And so my second wife, uh, I said to her second wife, uh, <laughs> second wife, I said to her two of three, um, 
uh let's go check out a comment you know some let's go to this open mic and watch some comedians um and then i remember how this happened but somebody in the club reached out to me and they found i was coming and so unbeknownst to me the open mic started becoming promoted as a show as i was going to be performing at the show and they were going to open for me i didn't tell me any of this and so i just was like i'm gonna go to this open mic maybe i'll do a couple minutes um i had the last like three edibles that i brought with me to japan and so i took those and because i hadn't been smoking anything they were hitting real hard so i was like oh i'll go up second or third pop a couple before we start the show and then they're like, no, you're going to, we want you to go last. We want oh, you no, to go when you're shit. ripped. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I was super fucking high. And I was <laughs> uh, able to, you know, just ad lib about being my first time in Japan. Okay. Just talking. Yeah. Okay. But as soon as I tried to remember Your jokes. any joke, <laughs> not a single joke I could remember. So you were just like on stage, like, duh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I kept, and I look over to the second wife, and I was like, "Do you remember? Can you give me a setup?" And she's just head in her head. <laughs> and I was like, "This is why your second wife." And <laughs> and uh, I just bombed super hard, and I just remember there was like this drag queen that was there just watching the show and we talked before and she's telling me about the show that they were going to do later before I bombed and I get up there and I'm doing things and I was like oh I'm gonna I was like I'll figure it out I'll figure it out I'm gonna like I'll, I'll figure out a joke eventually and then the drag queen just goes you could just finish honey <laughs> <laughs> She was right. Yeah. She was right. There's yeah. no light. Yeah. Like, what are we doing it for? You yeah. know what I mean? And, but I mean, and that's why I actually, I like, I don't, bombing doesn't hurt as much anymore because to me it was really fun and it was a real marker. My wife, my wife was super mad because she was, I have no idea why Second she was wife. mad. Second wife Second was mad. Wife, yeah. And I was like, no, I go, don't you see how fun this is? Yeah. Like I'm, a, how the fuck did I get to Osaka, Japan? Yeah. Who the fuck thought that I would ever be in Osaka, Japan doing stand-up comedy? Right. And who thought I bombed <laughs> at an open mic in Osaka, Japan? This is fun as hell. I'm just going to go to 7-Eleven and get some ice cream. And I had a blast. I loved it. I think bombing is, is great. Because I never played sports. I never did competitive things when I was younger. And mm. if it wasn't for bombing, I wouldn't know um how to handle failure it's really helped me yeah go through the marriages it's helped me dating and yeah. helped me with business when people pass on my pitches or whatever yeah. and it's like oh i get rejected all the fucking time yeah, it's, it's not gonna stop rejection yeah exactly yeah 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 bombing makes you stronger for yeah, sure truly <laughs> for sure Truly. You can get through that. You can get through anything. It Absolutely. is like an emotional death. It's ego death, mm-hmm. right? I don't know what that means. People say yeah. it all the time, but well, it's I really the most. Um, yeah, if you ask me at the time before I started, but if you ask me what my biggest fear, if you, it would probably been second place to death of being like, oh, what would it feel like if I bomb? What would it feel like yeah. if I just suck so much? Yeah, and you go through it, and you're like, oh, that fucking sucked but yeah. i'm still here still, yeah you're still alive and you're like oh fuck i can just have fun yeah i've been loving it now especially more that i've been able to work on tv shows and and like book, have 
money that's not relying on me touring i'm just like oh i'm always trying like fuck you may hate this yeah 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 <laughs> that's a great place to be yeah that's a great you may hate this, this is a perfect place to be. <laughs> then you can really experiment on stage and yeah. see what and then if you win if you find a, a new joke it's the best feeling in the world absolutely just keeping that joke fresh is also tough i feel like yeah because a joke can rot which yeah. sucks i think that's, it, the, that's the most painful feeling i think jokes rot as long when you're not being authentic to the moment when it was like some jokes that were true in the past right they were true to your spirit in the past and then once they get like you're just phoning them in then yeah. they lose their magical no, powers no you just can read that yeah for yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. One time I game, I was at um, Montreal Comedy Festival, uh, just for laughs, and I gave James Adomian ecstasy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's strong, so take it. You know, he's about to go on stage. I was like, take it later. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to take it now because I'm going up first. Your Osaka story reminded me of this. He's like, I'll just take it now because I'm going up first. And then when I get off stage, it'll kick in and I'll be high and I'll go out on the town and have fun. He took it and they kicked him from first to last mm. on the lineup. And so when he got out on stage, he was like, <laughs> like face melting, <laughs> eyes in the back of his head. And then he was like trying to get through his first joke. And the audience is like, what in the fuck is going on? And then he just like admitted to the audience. He goes, listen, I took MDMA. I'm high out of my mind right now. And I'm fucking sailing. And the whole crowd was like, yeah! and they were like, yeah, yeah. And then he just riffed like, on like how he was feeling and like his like ecstasy experience and um, the crowd loved it. And then oh, like man. it enhanced his high and then he went out on the deck. I did MDMA on stage one time and it was, I bombed, but I never felt better. <laughs> I was just like, I didn't care that I was bombing. I was so high, I was like, yeah. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm bombing or not. Mm -hmm. I feel like elated. I felt like I was floating on a cloud. Now when I do ecstasy and I, I just kind of melt into a puddle of mercury. It doesn't, I used to be able to take it and I'd be chatting all night, like <laughs> very confident, strutting around like a Hugh Hefner or something. Now I'm just like, <laughs> but I still, in my mind, I think I'm cool. I'm like, I'm so cool. Mind, yeah. I went to Vegas for my 40th birthday and I took me, we all took ecstasy and like, I saw a video of me in my brain, like we we're like everybody's like smoking a blunt and, and I like part we had a party bus, and in my brain I was like I'm a fucking cool motherfucker I'm a Miles Davis trumpet solo, and then I saw the video and it looked like we could have Bernie like somebody was like holding me up with yeah. a stick I'm just like <laughs> you like a muppet that's being half controlled. Yeah. I'm up with like the puppeteer's hand out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, I was a coup. That was John Coltrane in my mind. One time, uh, I gave or a friend of mine gave James a dummy and I think his first dab. Uh, <laughs> like everybody's just giving James a dummy and drugs. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> and he's uh, just taking it. Yeah. <laughs> at Bumbershoot we were Bumbershoot in Seattle and James oh, had never yeah. taken a dab before I warned him I was like it's gonna be pretty intense he gets for you, you ripped right yeah and he took it and then he just said I have to go and then yeah. he just walked away yeah and walked all the way back to his hotel yeah I've totally been there it's like I have to go mm -hmm. I'm just too high mm -hmm. I have to go 
<laughs> Let's we all like, get there. That's yeah. We've all been there. It's mm-hmm. like it's time for me to exit mm-hmm. the situation. <laughs> with Eric Andre. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, "Well, I had this career before, but it was a waste." And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste. That everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's the word bomb you ever seen that you weren't, this isn't you, like you, you experienced, you, you witnessed? Um, I mean, I've watched some bad comedy specials. It's funny when people record I'm, I'm wondering like live, have you ever seen somebody like get the bottle thrown at them or booed off I the saw stage somebody or, or get, punched? Uh, or... They got a pepper shaker thrown at them or salt shaker. Oh. I don't remember which one, one of the two. What what led to that? Oh, they used you, you know. Remember that there's that time period when Louis C.K. was at his utmost power, and a lot of uh, white comedians were like, "I could figure out a way to make an N-word in a joke like him." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like, that? That's like the highest stakes yeah. trick oh, yeah. for a white comic. Yeah. <laughs> and he tried. <laughs> and that shaker came ripping up. God, can you tell me who it is? Or no, no, He's you're, not a comedian you're, anymore. You're protecting the innocent. Okay, all right. Yeah, if he was still active, I'd tell you. <laughs> the salt and pepper shaker came up. 
Where was that? Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. Suki's, Suki's Bar and Grill. Is that was that like the spot back? Yeah, in the that day? was the spot because that was the spot nobody listened to you. Everybody would bomb. <laughs> Everybody would bomb. So if you got them to listen to you, if you got them to turn, you knew you you had some your oh, jokes. Oh really? Were yeah, yeah. those were the spots for me in New York when I was coming up. Like they made the boy the man. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you could turn it around in those venues where not a single thing there was conducive to comedy, mm-hmm. yet for some reason they had a comedy show there, mm-hmm. that like made you, that's what started giving you your superpowers. Yeah, absolutely. It's really it's what, like X-Men training. Yeah, yeah. You go into the danger room, train, training in 10 times gravity, whatever reference you need. Yeah. Uh, it would always just let you, it would separate the people who were just like, especially, you know, when you started in your 20s or whatever, and there's just people there who are like, I do this and I do karaoke. Yeah, and they're I dabbling. Do yeah, 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 yeah. And those are the shows that separate the people who are really trying to do it. It does. You know? If you persevere through that Shawshank Redemption crawl through the sewer, you will, you will hopefully, you will survive, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about, like the half of it is just like, not giving up. Yeah. Right? Truly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no more to be said. <laughs> There's no more to... What can be said? Nothing. Is there any anything, any scraps you left on the table? Any bombing tale that is coming to mind? Mm, you don't have to. Tales. I'm just trying to. Just, again, I, I think I, I like bombing. I'm not... We haven't been recording it. this whole time. So okay. Just, this is the rehearsal. Just, okay. This is kind of like well, a warm-up. Let's get up. started. There's a war. <laughs> Ron Funches, you've been a true hero, a true friend, a confidant. It's always a pleasure. Truly. Thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, anytime. Ron Funches. Always a pleasure to see you. Appreciate it. I don't know if you're Eric Andre. Bombing with Eric Andre is brought to you by Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network and iHeart Podcast. Executive produced by Han Sani, Olivia Aguilar, edited and sound designed by Andy Harris, and our art is by Dylan Vanderberg. If you want to confess to your own bombing moments or give us a shout out, go rate us five stars and drop a review on your podcast app of choice. Write about your own stories of bombing at life. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can also subscribe to Big Money Players Diamond to get exclusive bonus content with every episode and listen to all my episodes ad free. The guests on Bombing with Eric Andre were recorded before the SAG after strike. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. TMI. 
And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.